you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Yes, it is. Right now on Fast Money, a sea of green on Wall Street as major indexes snap their two-day losing streaks. But there's a couple of charts that could tell the true story of where the market is heading from here. And we're going to show you and tell you what they are. Plus, another massive hack hitting the crypto world. Millions of dollars of an Ethereum rival stolen. What it all means for the future of digital currencies. And then later, a stealth rally stock. This mega cap, not, not a MAGA cap, uh, name has quietly risen in 14 of the last 16 trading days. It's up nearly 50% from its May lows. We're going to tell you what it is and how you should play it. I'm Joe Kernan, uh, in for Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site in the heart of Times Square. And on the desk tonight, Karen Feinerman, Steve Grasso, both decided to, you know, to, to put out, to, to return to work. And then, uh, I won't say slackers, but Guy Adami and Bono and Eisen, nice enough uh, to, to join the, uh, the party as well. And we appreciate you being here. Guy, I, was, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. I was hoping you were going to actually be here, make the effort, but, but it's good to see you uh, nonetheless. And plus, Guy, the last time that I stayed home, Joe didn't call on me for a good four minutes. Oh, that's right. Minutes. I forgot about he him. Totally forgot, <laughs> I forgot about him. That I was actually on the show as well. You know, this is, we got to move. That's what I keep hearing. We got to move. We got to start with the strong rebound on Wall Street. The Dow climbing more than 400 points. That's in P500 up a percent and a half. And the NASDAQ posting its highest close since uh, early May. And on a relative basis, two and a half percent on the NASDAQ leading uh, these uh, indexes all the way through July and now in August. But our traders think there are some other charts that may be telling the true tale of the market. Guy Adami, it says somewhere that you're the most interesting man on the show, but they, I think they took that out. Uh, Guy Adami, because um, we want to be factual here, what are you watching? Well, just so people understand, the only reason you like it when I come in is because I typically bring you things. Sometimes if your back <laughs> is bothering you, I bring you like a heating pad or things like that. And that's just <laughs> factual as well. <laughs> With that said, uh, I think... For me, it's about high yield. It's always been about high yield. The credit market is seemingly okay. And if you look at the HYG, it would suggest that the bounce from sort of 72 to current levels coincides with the bounce in the broader market. I still think there's a credit problem lying in store. I still think you have to have HYG on your radar screen. I'm not suggesting you trade it at all, but I do think there's another leg lower in HYG, and I do think that will coincide with the next leg lower in the stock market. New lows. New lows? You know, 36 and change was the low. We said for a while the next, look, I will tell you, Steve Grasso came on the show, and we all did in June 15th and said, listen, this market is completely oversold. We will bounce to 4,100. From that bounce, we will make new lows. And that half of that has come to fruition, so I'll stand by it. You know, I still think 3,400's in the cards here. Just talking to Karen about it. I don't know, the NASDAQ's moved to the point where it just reminds me of periods past where people didn't have the, the nerve to step in and it just doesn't back up I, sometimes. We'll see. Maybe it does. But, you know, it, all of a sudden, you know, you see where it is now. Don't you wish it was back where it was? 
And, and do you really think it's headed there? I don't know. Grasso, what do you think? Yeah, so... so it, you want to talk oil, anyway. Yeah, but, but, but I think this is all could, be, all could be tied into it. So I, I think you have an opening. I think what we're going to see is peak inflation come next week with the peak CPI number. If you have peak inflation, what else do you have? Peak Powell. If you have peak Powell and peak inflation, you get the market rallying. So I think you have another window for maybe another couple of weeks. But I also believe that Powell's not going to take his foot off the gas on raising rates, which is a negative for the overall economy and a negative for the, for the, the, the market as a whole. So if I had to sum this all up in this, in this financial soup, I think we'll get, I agree with Guy, I think you'll start to see, and you look at the oil chart, dipped, look at lumber, look at wheat, but look at specifically oil. Today, what did we hear about OPEC? OPEC had the smallest add to production in the history. They might as well not have added anything. And what did oil do? It sold off. If that is where we're putting all our eggs in that basket, then you're going to be in for a surprise when you see CPI come in shy of where it's supposed to come in, because now you had gasoline fall off a cliff, commodities fell off a cliff. That will be captured in food and energy in next week's print in the CPI. So therefore, the market thinks that Powell will stop raising rates sooner. I don't think that's the case. He's going to overreach. And that's why you see the inversion of the yield curve. These guys, are, they're, they're like children. I said it to Jim Bullard this morning, who was on for an hour and a half. I don't know if, I don't know if you saw it, but he, and he, it's great that he came on. He was on set. You guys stick with your transitory. You're dead wrong. And he, to his uh, credit, he, he didn't stay as long as the other guys at the transitory party. Now they're sticking with, oh, it's going to last forever and it, it could go up from here. And I think they're going to, you know, pendulum swings and, and, and I'm not so sure. So Bonowin, um, your analysis plays into this, too. So you think a VIX at 20 is just an accident, like, waiting to happen. That, that's bearish, right? Yeah, I do. I, I think it pretty much sets up uh, for a bearish setup. I mean, we've kind of been in this 20 to 30 range for some time. That's kind of been the trading range. And I know we hear, we're kind of mixing up investing and trading, so I'll kind of speak to both. Um, you know, the, the, the 20 level speaks to... I don't know, just the, the malaise that's there. I mean, I guess you, you said Guy and I were in that camp. We're kind of just kind of slugging along. We'll show up when we want to. And that seems to be <laughs> investor sentiment right now, <laughs> which is, you know what? Uh, well, you know, the Fed meeting won't happen in August. We won't have anything from Powell until September. So while the parents are away, the kids will play. And that seems to be kind of the situation that we're in right now, you know, mm-hmm. If anything, if you really believe in this rally, you're also looking at other risk assets. And this would be an ideal time to kind of put some protection on. But you're not seeing that. In fact, you're seeing sellers of volatility. And that, to me, just speaks to the fact that we have completely swung from one side of the pendulum, which we thought earnings were going to completely crap out. Now we're in a situation where we're unwilling to pay for protection, and it's those times where you don't pay for insurance, where you look back and you wish you had it. Karen? Agree. I mean, my final trade was buy S&P puts today, which I did. I want to be one of those buying protection when you feel like you don't need it. But as to the charts, what do I think is sort of the most interesting chart to me or the most compelling? And if we have... Uh, the crack staff and EC can show the yield curve chart, which Steve touched on, um, or not. It's a fascinating curve. Okay, there it is. I've never seen a curve just like that. I kind of think of it as, as a bit of a Yogi Berra yield curve. We're lost, but we're making good time. What does that tell us? <laughs> that 
short term. Uh, we're going to see rates one. rise a lot, and then we're going to have a recession, and that's going to bring rates down. And then in the long term, I, who knows? I think there's some also thin trading, so maybe the 20 years out of whack. What the hell to make of all of that? I'm in Steve's camp. I think that this Fed, I agree that inflation has peaked. It doesn't matter. The distance between where, Fed, where inflation needs to be and where it is is still so wide. Powell cannot possibly risk having the genie out of the bottle and maybe he had a chance to get it back in and takes his foot off the gas or the brakes, however you want to say it. I think he's going to keep raising. I don't think that pivot was a pivot at all. I heard hawkish, hawkish. And and if you think about this, though, I I know you want to go back to Guy, but if you think about this with the short end of the curve, everyone wants to go back. I want to go back to Guy. So the short end of the curve right now, tech is more sensitive to the long end of the curve. And value is more sensitive to the short end of the curve, right? So that's the premise that you have to get in your brain. So if next week the CPI doesn't come in as hot, then value should, in theory, outperform tech should sell off. In a perfect world, if everything goes according to plan, which it never does. Plus, remember one last thing. We're not going to hear from him or he's not going to have any action, he being Powell, until September. That's awfully close to the midterm elections. Now, I know they're not a political organization, but I don't think you're going to see anything out of left field. So I think it does set up for a year-end rally. So even though I think we all collectively think the market will sell off, year-end rally, I think, is probably a good estimate for November. The last two months of the year, where you get a little squishy is September, October for me, where I think you could see this market, as Guy led off the show, with revisiting those lows. I was hoping we'd, we'd, we're at nine inflation. I was hoping we'd meet somewhere it, well, like in the middle. Bowler today said two. I go, how about what? four? He, he said it's two. It's going what? to two or No, he said two. we're getting it down to two. No. We have to get we're down. getting it down to two, back down to two, 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 two. I, I would have, uh, Is you know, he saying we're you not give me four, I'll until give you we a, get to two? Is that what you, is that what you kinda, inferred? That's what I inferred uh-huh. from, from what he was saying, that they're deadly serious about that mandate. Of two percent, and you know, I was hoping you know inflation comes down, the, the the PCE comes to I don't know something better than where it is, and then you eventually can assume that, you know, that you can pause. I'm I'm arguing for stop and start, which killed guys back in the '70s, killed them because it came right back with a vengeance, and you know Volcker had to go to twenty and a half, right, to to really kill it. But but it was double digits back then. We're not. We're not going to get to double-digit inflation. We're not. It's already happening, right? Unless, what, unless people don't come back to work and keep asking for a lot of money to come back to work. The, the wage thing. But is, do we is, want to revisit the the dynamics of that Volcker administration? No. Do we want? Do we want to risk revisiting the dynamics of that Volcker administration? No, but, so we can stop and start at. Right. And go back in history. But is is that is that an ideal scenario for the U.S. economy? I don't think your parents were born when that was going on, Bonoan. But, uh, it, you know, it was a... Uh, it was a, uh, <laughs> No, but it, I just, I think it was different. I really do. I hate saying, God, it was different this time. But it, it just feels like the, you know, the after effects of the pandemic and the supply chain and you still got you COVID lockdowns. You know who we got, should ask? We guy. should probably ask Guy. Guy. Guy, guy you think? Guy, I'm not going to let were, you die on that island, Guy. Yeah, Guy, guy your kids were, I, I think, in high school during Volcker, weren't they? 
Yeah, no, and actually, and it's funny because Paul and I went to uh, grade school together. And we lost touch with each other. We connected back when he was venture. No, I mean, you know, things were, I think things were different. I think things were measured differently then. And I heard, Bo- that was a great, it wasn't an interview because he was on with you the entire time, basically. But it was a great conversation. And I think he was pretty steadfast. Look, we got to combat this and we're going to combat it. And it's going to get, we're going to get it down to two. In order to do that, they can't really take their foot off the gas. I think no. what the market is saying now is, look, crude's sold off. Commodities have sold off significantly. That 9.1 print is probably going to be the highest we see in a, for a long time, which I agree with. But even if we get it down to a six handle, mid six to low seven handle, you're still talking about inflation. It's three times what they want it to be. So they can't back away. And I think when the market comes to that realization, I believe that's when the sell-off occurs again. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk tech. And it, it if anything's interest rate sensitive, it is tech. Our next guest says that the recent bull run in tech has legs, but one key group uh, will get left behind. Jared Weisfeld is a U.S. tech sector specialist at Jefferies. I, I think tech's been acting pretty good. I don't know, uh, Jared, and I don't know what that informs us about rates. I think that plays into the idea that maybe they don't need to stay where they are as long. But, but just technically, is this going back to let people in 20% below where it is right now. I just, I don't know. Do you think it back? Do you think the truck gets backed up to where you can load up? So, to your point, Joe, the the, the, the viciousness of the rally is truly you know remarkable. And let, let's put things in perspective. The Nasdaq is now up 15% off lows. Right, we're talking about in the last two weeks. Semis have been leading us higher, up 25% in that time period. Software, as measured by the IGV, up 17% in that time period. So, a lot of this is a function of I think you guys were were hitting hitting it right on the right on the head in terms of peak inflation and peak Powell, right? Look what's happened to the 10-year yield crashing from three and a half percent to almost two and a half percent yesterday. And this group is the most sensitive uh, with respect to uh, the interest rate environment. But I think the key point is that earnings have been far better than any of us have thought in terms of resiliency from the tech generals, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, Apple. And I, I can't emphasize it enough in terms of positioning, positioning, positioning. Everyone generally is underweight tech. It is the lowest in the last five years in terms of relative uh, tech exposure. So I think that can certainly keep the group going. The names that, that people loved, it's, it's not a 30% pullback either, Jared. Is that, that's another thing that kind of gets me. If, if you even thought about buying some of those stocks where they were and you can't buy them down 50%, I, then you were wrong. You're just an idiot the entire time to ever want to buy them, right? Is not Netflix a buy below 200? The um, so so you know it, it's funny you, you mentioned that Joe because you know you had this vicious rotation that's occurred over the last six months where investors were selling all of MFang to go buy energy to go buy the notion of an energy super cycle and now guess what has to happen we need to re-rotate back into tech because positioning is so underweight and all of a sudden you're seeing Microsoft show general resiliency in, in Azure, which is the key growth driver. Amazon's AWS growing 33% year on year, which is a good key barometer for the economy. So I think you have, you're going to see continued reorientation back towards tech and we're getting closer to December. So the FOMO is on in terms of fear of missing out. And I think you're going to, you're going to have that. Yeah. It's like, you, I don't know. I've seen it before. It's like, you, geez, I was scared at the bottom and, and now it, uh, that vicious snapback. And I'm, I'm never going to get that that chance again. New lows or not in the Nasdaq, Jared? New lows or not? 
Uh, I don't I don't think we see new lows. Uh, I think you need to be highly selective. I think, you know, the recent uh, we've seen a recent move higher in software, but software has still lagged. Uh, so I think software is probably the most attractive. I think you need to be uh, you need to be careful in terms of the multiple that you're underwriting. But don't forget about the M&A put in software. You had Tomo Bravo on the tape with a three billion dollar acquisition this morning. We've had more software M&A activity this year than we had last year. And we're only in August. So I certainly think that there are a ton of opportunities in software in particular. Jared, thanks. Uh, it's good to have you on. And I, I felt kind of good listening to you. I don't know. Maybe everybody's not uh, not as bearish as, as I hear a lot. So let's trade this guy. Um, the heating pad. That was a good one. That was a good one. Uh, but but anyway, uh, you brought me candy. You've never brought me like a heating pad, have you? Yeah. Remember, I brought you those things that uh, Shack sells. Those those pads, those thermopads that you know you put the battery in and it helps you. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And there was another time where you hurt your thumb, and I brought you Epsom salt so you could soak it on set with Andrew and Becky. So don't, don't even remember. sit there and tell My me that I don't do you know that. What you yeah, should remember. Me, you should have brought me Prevagen because I don't remember a, a, a lot of this stuff. So how do we trade this uh, guy? Prevagen, by the way, the worst named product in the history of mankind because nobody remembers it and they make it so you can remember. <laughs> Listen, I understand, Joe, I totally get what you're saying. Maybe we're all too negative and maybe, you know, we've, we've seen the lows and the market's not going to give you that opportunity again. I just don't think we're in an environment where, okay. and, and listen, quickly, Apple earnings, were they great? No. Actually, 2% year-over-year revenue growth is the worst we've seen in a while. Microsoft traded down to 242 after they reported before they said, by the way, we're not seeing a slowdown yep. in demand. So it's not okay, like we these got, earnings were blockbuster. The stock reactions were. I have no, uh, do we go counterclockwise or clockwise? Are we better, let's go counter, Karen. Well, I just, uh, you know, he sounds very bearish, but I, to Guy's credit, he absolutely was bullish at the bottom. You know, he had that 4,100 out there. For a trade, right? Yes, that 4,100 out there, which actually was pretty far away at the time. So kudos to Guy. I'm, I'm in his camp now. Okay. Um, and I just think, down rather than up. So I think we, I know where you stand. I know where Bono went. They told me I got to, I don't have time. I got to, I'm sorry. Uh, probably my fault, the heating pad stuff. Coming up, uh, we're watching two big uh, after hour movers, uh, shares of Booking Holdings and MGM reporting results. We've got the numbers next. Plus, uh, more details on a big crypto hack that sent Solana, in this case, tumbling. Uh, so, is your digital wallet safe from an attack? The details uh, when Fast Money returns. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. 
I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com, that's YahooFinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on booking holdings, and it has reversed. Shares are racing early gains, now sharply lower, uh, as you can see, and had on 3.5%. Steve Kovacs been listening on the call. Did that do it, Steve? Yeah, Joe, it's a lot of talk on the call about foreign exchange headwinds and shares have been turning negative since they delivered those mixed results last hour. Revenue coming in slightly light at $4.29 billion. EPS, on the other hand, solid beat here, $19.08 adjusted versus the $17.57 expected. Gross bookings, though, Joe, surging 38 percent with CEO Glenn Fogel saying in the press release it would have been even higher, save for those foreign exchange headwinds. And also CFO David Golden on the call said increase in flight bookings helped offset some of those foreign exchange headwinds. But again, lots of talk about FX here on the call on guidance company expecting uh, record revenue in the third quarter. But again, warning about a 12 percent hit to revenue uh, because of foreign exchange. And they're also talking a little bit about, Joe, how to get other ways on the call to help people with these foreign exchange headwinds, either buying trips through buy now, pay later and other uh, payment options. And by the way, this is the same story we heard yesterday, Joe, with uh, Airbnb and Marriott. Even before that travels back, it's not slowing down. No longer buying Pelotons and air fryers. People are getting out in the world instead. And also, Joe, make sure we tune into Squawk Box tomorrow morning. You guys are going to have Mr. Fogel on to talk about these second quarter results and break them all down, Joe. Groundbreaking uh, show every morning. Yeah, uh, I've heard of it. It's six, pretty good. 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Thank you, uh, Steve. Um, do you, will you sell stock based on currency? Headwinds. If the if, would, if management didn't hedge, is that they're bad managers? Or, yeah. Or? Do you know what I always say about uh, FX headwinds? I always think that's transitory. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So for me, for me, right. I, I can't I can't establish a, a thesis on trading. But twelve percent is a real number. It's it's a it's a real number, and I'd be more concerned with the seventy nine percent that they get from Europe to begin with. So forget about FX. What is going on in Europe right now isn't great. Right. And then that's kept people from traveling. But obviously bookings are up. So I don't know if that's getting better, worse, indifferent or if people are that tired of being home that they have to go anywhere. Well, currency's cheap. Right. So right. it is cheaper to travel. That's the only now. tailwind. Okay. Right. But I agree with you on the FX. First of all, it, it sort of trades like, wow, nobody saw that coming. I right. mean, we, you can see where the dollar trades every day. Right. Right. So I don't know how much they hedge or don't. I agree. I, I sometimes it feels like the market just dismisses. FX doesn't matter. Right. Looks through it. Apparently, not right now. Well, there's t- like banks when they take reserves. It's like when when they take them all, oh, that's bad. When they bring them back in, all oh, that doesn't bad. count. Yeah. It's <laughs> weird. I, I never understand uh, how that works. Let's shift to uh, MGM Resorts uh, off its after-hours highs, but still positive uh, after beating revenue expectations. What? 
What? Contessa Brewer? Do I have to come on Fast Money for this, Contessa? No, an invitation would work on Squawk Box. <laughs> I would show up, should you ask. Would you like to hear a remarkable story? I would. I mean, I here we're, we're in, what, the second quarter of shrinking GDP? And instead, you have an astonishing earnings quarter for MGM. It has reported its highest property level EBITDA ever. It's fueled by the Las Vegas Strip. Remember EBITDA, that's a, uh, a very important earnings metric in gambling. More than $2 billion in revenue. That's up 113% from last year. Of course, it helps that MGM sold its REIT, MGM Growth Properties, to Vici. It turned around and bought the Cosmopolitan, Aria Vidara. Occupancy rates extremely high in Las Vegas. On the call, CEO Bill Hornbuckle doubled down on what he told me in person last month. He said, look, business is strong and customers are spending. He says he's bullish on the domestic business. That what they're going to see is the return of international travel, about 80 percent of 2019 level uh, levels in terms of how much flight is coming into the airport there in Las Vegas. He says he's expecting to grow the convention business and they're looking forward to the return of the ConAgra um, big, huge conference for the whole destination in March. And the event calendar, Bill Hornbuckle says, is the best the destination has ever seen. Meanwhile, their digital business, which they share with Entain 5050, BetMGM generated $608 million in the first half. That's an improvement of 70% from last year. The regionals, they have outperformed as well. We saw with Caesars yesterday, the regionals softening just a bit from 2021 levels. Not true for MGM. They're Best second quarter ever. China, eh, not so great. We knew that. Visitation hampered by those strict COVID restrictions. And the margins have compressed somewhat because they're bringing back some of those amenities that had been gone since the pandemic. So they're starting to see those profit margins uh, shrink just a little bit. But all in all, I would say this is a remarkable earnings report for MGM. Joe. Now I realize, yeah, you, you do the Vegas uh, thing for us all the time. Was that your idea? Why don't I cover uh, Vegas? Listen, sometimes when it drops <laughs> in your lap, you just thank your lucky stars. Well, that's a rough one. Uh, stupid <laughs> pandemic, though. But now it's going to be better than ever, I would think, uh, Contessa. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Great to, uh, great to see you. We'll see you soon on Squawk, covering Vegas, I'm sure. Uh, let's trade it. Who's going to trade this? Doesn't tell me who's trading. I'm you want to trade it? You're long? I'm long, Yeah. I thought it was very good, too. I thought uh, MGM Bet, which is or Bet MGM, uh, which is their online. They don't they don't consolidate that. But that was a good number. And I um, regional was good. Obviously, Las Vegas, as Contessa said, really, really good. China, awful. But it's for them. One of the reasons I like about MGM is very small exposure to China relative to the winds and whomever. Guy, you, you own it, Guy? No, but MGM is a Las Vegas story. I mean, China is such a small component, as Karen said. By the way, Contessa kills it on the Vegas front. And for any firms listening that have FX problems, you should just hire Sarah Eisen because she clearly gets it. With that said, MGM's too cheap here, and the year-over-year numbers in Las Vegas are staggering, and that will only continue to get better, I think. So despite the fact, Joe, answering your next question, that I think the market's going lower, I think you can continue to own MGM. Really? I just wonder whether... uh all the online stuff is like streaming. I mean, you know, we thought streaming, 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 and now everybody's like streaming. I got too much. You know, I don't know. Is online you really going to make money in the online stuff, guy? I think you will, but but Joe, it wasn't what. Listen, I watch your show. Listen quickly, since you asked me, I watch your show uh, religiously from six to nine. And if you don't mention gambling once, you mention a hundred times. I mean, you're hooked. 
You and your Cincinnati Reds, who are now in the playoff hunt, oddly enough. I mean, I know what you're doing tonight. Just saying. No, I I won a bet already today. I took two underdogs. I took the Rays against the Blue Jays, and I can't remember, but I had a little parlay, and I won, and I never win. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) that's why maybe it will be a great business. Uh, There's a lot uh, more fast money to come. Here's what's coming up next. Crypto hack. Thousands of digital wallets wiped clean as hackers steal millions. Their crypto concerns facing a top token. Plus, block on the clock. With earnings on deck, we're getting a view from the options pits to see how traders are squaring up for results. You're watching Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We're back right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out uh, Ethereum rival Solana dropping 4% today after a big cyber attack targeted thousands of digital wallets. The hack draining over $5 million worth of coins. Solana's founders uh, tweeting that the hack does not appear to be an issue with the network itself, but with the wallet software. For more on all this, uh, let's bring in Meltem Demirs, Chief Strategy Officer at CoinShares. I read your explanation, uh, Meltem. I, I don't even know if we want to... Uh, it, I, I think explain exactly what happened with Solana. Uh, if you can keep it uh, uh, understandable for someone like like me and maybe a, a me, lot of me, me too. Yeah. A, a lot of viewers, because <laughs> it doesn't seem like it was a deeply ingrained problem with the entire uh, protocol itself. Yeah, and Joe, I was just saying, you're working so hard this summer. They got you doing mornings. They got you doing nights. It's a, um, it's a privilege. <laughs> It's great to see you. Um, So the Solana issue, look, I think it's really important to separate that Solana, the network itself, is not insecure. There are no issues with the Solana protocol. The issue is with a wallet um, that was used. It's a very popular wallet. It um, had an exploit in it, a bug that revealed the private keys. There's this great phrase in crypto, not your keys, not your coins. And unfortunately, this is really common today with a lot of the applications that people are using to access different protocols and different Web3 apps is sometimes there are bugs in them that are insecure that expose your keys and allow for these exploits. But just to zoom out a bit and give everyone a little bit of context, yesterday's events, yesterday evening's events in 
impacted about 8,000 wallets. There are 15 million active wallets on Solana every month. So as a proportion of the overall user base of Solana, very, very small. Of course, the goal is that this should never happen to anyone, right? Worst experience possible. But in context, this is a really, really small exploit and 5 million in the grand scheme of crypto is not a tremendous number. Goal is zero, but in context, this was small. Bonowin, you, you got a question? Hey, Meltem, uh, Bonowin here. So, yeah, so there's been uh, much of debate made about whether these currencies are securities, whether they're commodities, whether they're going to be regulated by the SEC or the CFTC. Would you mind kind of shedding some light on what the implications are, whether they're bucketed as one security or the other, and, and how that might affect uh, price dynamics going forward? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think the biggest challenge right now is commodities and securities have very different rules in terms of how you bring these products, these listings to market and the venues where they trade. Uh, securities have to trade on national securities exchanges. They go through the SEC process. Commodities have their own oversight. They go through, obviously, the CFTC. They have their own process in terms of how products and markets get created. I think one of the biggest challenges right now is there are a lot of different types of crypto venues. There are regulated centralized exchanges like the Coinbase the Geminis, the Krakens of the world. There are also a lot of decentralized exchanges or these protocols that people use to trade. And so there's all of these different options. They all have different ways of interacting. And the biggest challenge is what are some of the requirements around transparency, disclosure, right? We have this with securities. Um, are those requirements relevant to all cryptocurrencies? Are they relevant to specific subsets? So there's a little bit of a battle going on. Crypto used to be a hot potato. Nobody wanted to touch it from a regulatory perspective. Now it seems like the SEC really wants to take the lead, but the CFTC is fighting back. So we'll see what happens. All right, we're going to end it. Just real quickly, I heard Bitcoin 200-day moving average back above it. I mean, there's some... It's almost like the NASDAQ. Uh, it's so correlated. And I don't know whether that's going back to 17,000 either. And it may, <laughs> but, but maybe not this week. We'll see. We've seen a lot of inflows over the last month, around 400 million of inflows back into crypto investment products. So there are buyers. Not everyone's having a good time in Europe this summer. Some yep. people are trading. Uh, so we'll see. But we're optimistic. And as we go into the fall, I think we'll get a clearer picture of where the okay. momentum's headed. Melton, thanks, thanks. Joe. Karen, how would you trade this? Solana? No, I don't know. <laughs> they, they tell me you want to trade something. I don't know. You oh, trade, well, coin, I am, you I trade am Coinbase? Long, <laughs> uh, um, Coinbase sort of interesting. I do think, I mean, it's bounced back, but I do think they're in an interesting spot. They got a, a lot of wallet share, and I, I don't own it, but I, that one is probably one I could see. I do own, so I do have Bitcoin exposure, had it for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. um, Took some money off the table and just I'm gonna I'm gonna see how this plays out. I actually think it's kind of amazing. It's not lower than where than when where it is now, right? You talk about how okay it came down from seventy sixty nine thousand wherever it right. was to right here. You have a lot of stocks that have done that as well that didn't have anywhere near the upside. I don't know. Um, it's not my normal thing, but I do have exposure. I, I think if it's a risk on market, I think you're going to get Bitcoin. Higher, But if you look at Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, which most retail investors know, it's down 57 percent year to date, but it had a great month. 
If you look at Ethereum, Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum trust grayscale, that's down 61% year to date, but it had an even better month. I think you need a risk on market. I think everyone who talked about Bitcoin and crypto actually lost a ton of money in the last couple of months. Not coming back. I, I, I coach baseball. All of the younger coaches mm-hmm. are talking to me about coins, coins, coins during the spring, yeah. about how much money they were making. No one is talking about anything now. And I think they're just upset with it. And they've lost a ton of money. So I don't know where the new capital comes in. I think there's a lot of regulation that needs to be done. A lot of fear of getting hacked and a lot of people licking their wounds. All right. Let's go. Moving on, moving on. Only have an hour coming up. Shares of Block surging ahead of uh, earnings tomorrow. We're going to find out how option traders are playing that name ahead of results. Those details next. Plus, uh, we're digging into two of today's big stock movers. We had CVS and Ulta headed in different directions. More on that when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out the shares of Block surging today on the back of PayPal's strong uh, earnings. The company formerly known as Square uh, reports earnings after the bell tomorrow, and option traders are expecting an equally uh, strong report. Tony Zhang joins us uh, with the action. Tony, what are you seeing? Yeah, as, as you said, on the back of PayPal earnings up 11%. So it's not surprising to see that Block traded more than two times the average daily volume today. But one trade really stuck out. And if you look at the options chain today, the August 90 and 95 strikes were the most active call buying we saw going into earnings tomorrow. And one particular trade stood out where a trader bought 2,000 contracts of the August 95 calls, spending on average about $2.09 for those call options. And just to put that into context, this is someone who's spending about a little over $400,000 in premium to bet that Square is going to rally at least 10% more between now and the August, August expiration, which is in under two weeks time. So this is a fairly bullish outlook on the back of what was a very strong move today. Bonwin, you got thoughts on this one too? Yeah, I do. I mean, anytime you're kind of trading momentum and you've seen it in the tech space and specifically in the fintech space, I'd be playing it through options. I think it makes a lot of sense to kind of carry over what we've already seen from some of its peers on the earnings side. Very good. Tony, uh, thanks for that quick hit. Bonwin, thanks. Uh, for more options, actions, based. oh, that's right. I did a Friday and I did an options action. Do you like it? I did. I loved it. <laughs> I was a stockbroker, and I, I did have a little, you know about my DraftKings problem. I, I, I traded a few options on, on expiration Fridays, uh, the, S, the OEXs, like at remember the right before. Butterfly the, sp- spread killed you? Like at 12, I was in L.A., at 1230, you buy them for an eighth, they could close at like 11. Um, not usually, though. Coming up, uh, CVS shares jumping in today's uh, session, how strong sales uh, helped boost the stock. But it wasn't a beautiful day for all stocks. Ulta dropping after announcing a new venture fund. So uh, what had investors so skeptical about uh, Ulta? The details straight ahead. Can I buy a continent? I buy an R? Is it really Ulta? Yeah, it is. Fast Money will be back in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. CVS uh, topping the tape today. Shares jumping over 6% after beating estimates for the second quarter uh, and raising full-year outlook. Uh, the company also announcing plans to get into primary care uh, by the end of the year. Guy, you, what, you have a take? You own it? You don't own it? You're going to own it? 
You like going there? I have a take. My take is you go back to, well, I mean, my if you pad. want to tie a ribbon on this whole show, that's why I got you. That's why I got your heating pad. All right. And your Epsom salts, number one. <laughs> number two, for you technicians out there, you go back to 2015, mm-hmm. the stock topped out at uh, 111, sold off. We got back there in January, February of this year, sold off. We're making another run. The quarter was ridiculous. Bertha reported it on your show this morning, which I happened to watch, as I mentioned, religiously. They beat on revenue. They beat on EPS. The guide was commensurate with the beat, so I'm not making a big deal out of that. But valuation is compelling, so I think it takes out the 111 previous high, and I think we're off to the races here. Steve? Yeah, I agree with that. I'm, I'm looking at a chart, too, uh, as well, and it, it just mirrors sort of what Guy said, but I go back to December 2021. We double bottom in the middle of June on this stock, and it seems like it's been off to the races. So if you look at it through a prism short term, I think they're trying to patch that, that, that groundwork for them where they're not selling as many vaccines. So they're trying to dabble in the primary care facilities. They're selling a lot of tests, but technically yeah. the stock is sound. Who's testing still? Everybody's still I don't testing? Know. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I guess they're trying to fill that void, but there's an awful lot. Whenever I'm in a CVS Testify and I'm me. in there, I'm in there a lot. Yeah. Usually guy and I go together. Guy goes down to the salon pause aisle. Yeah. I walk my way over to the pharmacy and everyone is buying stacks of tests because I think they're still giving them away with insurance uh, companies are still giving you a, a certain amount of tests per month free. They bill the insurance company. So maybe that's a, a windfall for them as well. All right. I'm not going to get into this. but You yeah. did already. You I know. I know. I wish I had. You got me into it. Uh, uh, meantime, we've got a buzzkill on Ulta. The, the stock 5% lower uh, after comments from Deutsche Bank, citing uh, softer data uh, for the beauty category in July. Meanwhile, Oppenheimer said there's an opportunity here to buy the dip. Aaron, what do you make of the move? Well, I'm long Ulta, so uh, I don't love to see it down 20 bucks. However, I was thinking, all right, I'd like to add they had some great momentum last quarter. And I think they're, you know, they're a little below Sephora. So they're more accessible for people whose wallets are a little bit stretched. But I want I'm curious why four weeks before earnings, sometimes you see somebody downgrade. This wasn't, I guess, a downgrade. But I often wonder, all right, is management sort of giving them a little bit of color so that maybe the street will walk guidance down. I don't know. You, you, do you see that ever? Yeah, and I'm wondering. I, I am amazed at how analysts can still miss by so much when they get so much help. I feel, so I'm wondering if that's happening here. So I'd like to wait and see if someone else sort of confirms that. Maybe Bonowin. Bonowin, you want in, you want, is it about that or something else? Yeah, I know Karen's been long this one for for a while, and I agree with her. It's been a it's been a pretty um, great turnaround story. Uh, the, the the Deutsche Bank piece did mention uh, a pickup in promotionals, and I would like to see <clears throat> because from my point of view, that might be a read through in, into declining gross margins. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but that will be what I'm that I'm listening for, and that's ultimately what's going to determine the direction of the stock going forward. Ultimately, he said. Ah. Ultimately, I heard you, Bon. I get it. All right, coming up, uh, one stock uh, making a stealth rally uh, since its 52-week lows. Uh, The name that you should be watching, uh, you don't have to, but we're suggesting maybe. Next, don't go anywhere, please. You can if you need to, but uh, we'll be back in two. Talking about gambling and welcome back uh, to Fast Money. Tesla shares embarking on a stealth rally recently. It's up 14 of the last 16 days. 
I don't know. Really going to buy it at 600 again? I don't know. The electric automaker is now 49% above its 52-week low that was hit in May. Company holding a vote tomorrow on a stock split. Steve, is it uh, worth chasing the rally? This is a tech company, right? It's not an automobile company. It's a tech company. So uh, when we open up the show talking about tech and where I feel next week could be the Wednesday, the hump day, and not only for CPI, the hump day for the market. So I think you're going to see a rotation into the value plays out of these tech plays. But if you look at Rivian, Rivian is up drastically for the month as well. That was based a little bit on Amazon, but mostly on tech coming back into vogue. I think this is a little bit long in the tooth. I'd, get, I'd let this one breathe for a little bit. And let's wait to see what happens on Wednesday and see if this is, has any further uh, tailwind to it. What do you think, Guy? I think if you look at the chart, which you just had up, we're still in a pretty significant downtrend. and We're probably touching the upper end of that downtrend line. So I think if you've been fortunate enough to be in this, I think you got to sort of take the money and run. Now I'm going to get all the hater tweets at me now, but you know yeah, it's you been will. a pretty amazing run, as you said. Yeah, well, it's just the nature of the beast, Joe. But you I'm know, thick-skinned, you can, as you know, which... You are. that You can get it from the other side, too, from the Teslakers, the, the TSLA cures. They're even crazier. They're even worse than, than the, the guy. I'm not either. Uh, I don't care about it. We can't own them, and I don't have a Tesla. I love Elon Musk. I love Tesla. They, they find a way to hate you from either side. You can't win. I guess that means you're doing something right, right? I think when you know you do it right every morning from six to nine, along with Andrew <laughs> and Becky, I'm going to keep coming to you. You don't have to. Do, do you want to come on the show tomorrow, guy, as a guest? Oh, host? so early. What's his wake up? <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't get up. I don't get up that early. I still have the cucumbers <laughs> under my eyes. Capano, <laughs> okay, you got. Uh, you own it, or yeah, well, you own a Tesla? I don't know. <laughs> Um, no, I don't own a car. I don't drive. Um, but um, that's a whole nother conversation. Anyways, guy, I'm going to do you a solid here, and I guess I'll take some of the hate off your off of your plate. If you look at that chart, you continue to see sequentially lower highs since November of last year, and the stock just made a sharp move up to that 200-day moving average. I doubt. I, I'm sure it's going to test it, see if it kind of has any momentum, and, and follow through there. But I, I'm with the other two. I think this is an opportunity for you to take some chips off the table. All right. Up next, uh, is it really five? Fifty-five. Uh, up next, uh, your final trades when we return. It is. Welcome back, Fast Money. Let's get a quick uh, roundup of the earnings and the after hours. EV maker Lucid. I've seen a couple of those. They're kind of cool-looking cars getting crushed after cutting full-year production uh, guidance to six to seven thousand vehicles. The original forecast was twenty. 20,000. Clorox also dropping after missing on uh, revenue and giving some weak estimates for the year. Uh, Apple supplier Corvo giving uh, up an early pop and now trading sharply lower after its uh, results. Uh, Booking also still lower lower after citing FX headwinds on its call. And MGM uh, popping on a revenue beat uh, and uh, then setting a record for Las Vegas Strip adjusted property EBITDA of $125 million. It's time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn, starting with you, Bonowin. VIX flirting with that 20 level. Protection would be on my mind. VIX. All right, Guy? Be nice to Andrew tomorrow morning. You know, it's just, you know, you guys hug it out. I think that would be good. We've been doing really well uh, lately, trying. We we differ on a few things, uh, as you know. It's amazing. Like what? 
black, white. It, it's amazing. <laughs> it, it's amazing. I, I haven't. And then sometimes when he switches, then I switch to the other side. Grasso. So I, I had to come up with a value stock that I think when, on Wednesday we're going to switch gears here. So I went with GE. I still own it. GE. Oh, GE. That's like, you know, it's split one for eight. A reverse split. It's Is that it? Seven. I thought now it was 80. 74. I thought it was uh, 80. Here. Yeah. CVS, I don't normally love buying a stock up six bucks, but a very solid quarter and not a stretch valuation at all. All right, thanks for watching uh, Fast Money, and, and you'll get to see tomorrow uh, how nice I am or, or not nice. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.